Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. Praise the Lord. Let's get into the Word this morning. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for your Word. We thank you that the Word strengthens us, encourages us, builds us up, Lord. It's a foundation upon which we stand and will stand eternally, eternally on your Word. Your Word is truth in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Well, I'm just going to share with you for a little while this morning about on the Holy Spirit. Uh, Last week, Pastor Darren preached, he talked about the Holy Spirit. I looked at my notes, and I preached the week before that on the Holy Spirit. So I don't know, we're, we're just on the Holy Spirit right now. So the Holy Spirit must have us on the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? <laughs> the Holy Spirit is, I, I don't like to preach academic messages. Because, I don't want, because academic messages, it touches your soul but doesn't touch your spirit. I want, to, I want to preach a message that touches people's spirits, that strengthens them, that doesn't just give them information. God, God wants us to have information, but he doesn't want us to just to have information. So today I'm going to give you information. <laughs> Some, praise God. But just to clarify, I don't know, I just feel like talking about the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the third person in the Godhead. The Godhead is an enigma. Because God is one, but he's, but, he's, but he's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's three, but he's one. And, you know, and some people will argue with you. Like Jehovah's Witness, they'll say, you, talk, you believe in the Trinity, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. And they're right. The word Trinity is not in the Bible. But the Bible speaks of a triune God. He speaks of a Father who is God, a Son who is God, and the Spirit who is God. So there's a triunity to God. And, and we see that in the very beginning of the Bible. In Genesis 1.1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God. That word God in Hebrew is Elohim. And the I am on the, on the end of a Hebrew word, the, those two letters, I am, the im, the I am on the end, is like adding an S to a word in English. It's like from car to cars. It makes it plural. So right off, we say, in the beginning, God, literally, in the beginning, God's, plural, created the heavens and the earth. But he's not, he's not three gods. He's one God, but he's three. And we say, but that doesn't make sense. Well, God is God. He doesn't have to make sense. We just have to believe it and believe what the scripture says and accept it. And in, in your mind, you can't, you can't understand it. You just have to believe it. He's, a, he's, not a, he's not like Superman. He's not a human. He's an, inf, an infinite spiritual being with all kind of a power. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And also, uh, a little bit later in that chapter, in, G- in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, what did God say? He said, and let us make man in our image. Let us, God didn't say let me, he said let us. Let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. So there's a plurality with God. The spirit is God. Although they're equal, in, but although they are equal, there, there's order and there's submission in the Godhead. 
1 Corinthians chapter 15. That's the first 1 Corinthians 15, and I'll start reading in verse 26. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. He's talking about oh, verse 25. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Jesus. And the last enemy to be abolished is death. For he has put all things in rejection under his feet. Who's the he and who's the his? The he is the Father. The Father God. He has put all things in rejection under Jesus' feet. So the Father has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is evident that he, the Father, is accepted. Who put all things in subjection to him, Jesus. So what it's saying is, some crazy person might say, well, the Bible... Ah, rats. The Bible says that all things have been put under Jesus' feet. Well, that must include the Father. So in order to keep those... Crazy people from saying that. Paul sticks that sentence. You have to understand that the Father, the Father is not included in all things that are subjected to Jesus. Paul does that two or three times in the scriptures. He, he kind of addresses a crazy question that might come up. And when all things are subjected, when all things are subjected to him, Jesus, talking about Jesus, when all things are subjected to Jesus, then the Son himself will also be subjected to the one who subjected all things to him so that God may be all in all. Is that clear as mud? What it's saying is all things are going to be subjected to Jesus and then Jesus is going to take everything that was given to him and subject himself and everything given to the Father that God may be all in all. So there's order and there's submission. The Bible says in another scripture in Corinthians that, that God is the head of Christ. He's, not, he's the same but he's, he's like the, the, the first, the, the head. The Holy Spirit is a person. That's so important. To get, we have to get that. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's also called the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And he's not, he's not just the power of God. He's not, just the, he's not just the presence of God. When you feel the, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit is an actual person. He's not just a spiritual force. And listen, listen, I just copied this out of a Bible dictionary. I forget which one it was. It says, the Holy Spirit is of the same substance and equal in power and glory with the Father and the Son. He is nevertheless subordinate to both the Father and the Son as he proceeds from them and is sent by them and they operate through him. We read that again. The Holy Spirit is of the same substance and equal in power and glory with the Father and the Son. That's, that's approved of theology. He is nevertheless subordinate to the Father and the Son as he proceeds from them and is sent by them and they operate through him. So he is the manifested presence and power of God on earth. When God took Jesse's planets to heaven in 1988. He, he said when he got to heaven, he, 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 could, he couldn't see God, but he could see the throne of God, surrounded with this, like, this, this power. He said, the Father was in heaven, and Jesus was in heaven. And I said to the angel that was with him, he said, where's the Holy Spirit? And he said, the Holy Spirit's on earth, Jesse. 
And Jessica goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I knew that, I knew that. <laughs> but that's, it's, this is the dispensation of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is on the earth doing the works of God. He regenerates. He's the force that brings the new birth. He empowers. He sanctifies. He instructs. He comforts believers. He reveals. He teaches. And he guides. He's everything that we need on this earth. If you're a born-again child of God, you have the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 12, it says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world. That we, today we'd say, we have not received. Talking to Christians, he said, we have not received the Spirit of the world, but what? But the Spirit who is from God, that we may know the things freely given to us by God. So, and then in chapter 6 it says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have from God? So if, you have the, if, you have, if, you have, if you're born again, you have the Spirit of God in you. We just have to let him have his way in our lives. But are we aware of that? You know, I, the more I was praying and getting ready, I thought, am, am I, do I walk with an awareness the Spirit of God is with me at all times. I was, I was thinking, when you take a road test, who's the, the examiner, the, the examiner that rides with you in your road test? Imagine if he was sitting in the car every time you drove. Every time you get in, he was there, right there. Would you, would you, would you drive different? You probably would. So what I have to understand, I have to think, every time every, the Spirit of God is with me every place I go. He sees everything I do. He hears everything I say. He knows my thoughts. And if I'm, if I'm aware of that, I kind of check myself. I say, whoa, don't say that. Don't go there. Don't talk that way. Don't get so frustrated. The Spirit of God is with you, and he's changing you. In John 14, in verse 16, Jesus said before he left, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, <clears throat> that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him. But you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. And then a little bit later in that chapter, it says, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. John has a lot to say about the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, in verse 7, well, in verse 5, it says, But I am I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me where you're going. But because I've said these things, sorrow has filled your heart. I was thinking that must have been a terrible day when Jesus said, I'm leaving. He's 33 years old. He's very popular except with the religious people of his day. They're the ones that attack him. Everybody else, is, they're in favor. He's got thousands of people following him. He's doing all kinds of miracles. And he's saying, but I'm going I'm to leave. And they're saying, oh, how am I going to live without you? How can, I, how can I live? You're everything to us. How can we live without you? But he said, I'm going to send you the helper, the Holy Spirit. When he, the Spirit, comes, he will lead you into all the truth. One thing I noticed, you notice when Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit, 
He never refers to it as, as it. He always refers to the Holy Spirit as he. He will guide you. He will lead you. He will. So he's, he's a person. Jesus refers to him as a person. So it's, it's important because we want the power of God in our lives, but the pers- there's a person. I've been, we've been given a person to walk with us through this life, to help us become everything that God wants us to be. There's two main, uh, two main functions that the Holy Spirit performs in our life. One is character, and the other one is, call it service. I mean, I don't, I don't want to use the word ministry because people think of a pastor when they think, but, but he's in us to help us be the person that God's called us to be and do the things that God's called us to do. Two things, and they're both, now, they're both equally important. We're supposed to be led by the Spirit. Our lives are supposed to be completely surrendered to Him. Every aspect, every part of us. And that's, we have to break that spirit of rebellion that wants to do what we want to do. Wants to live the life that we go go where I want to go and do what I want to do. I was thinking, what was that, a mama and papa song? I want to go where I want to go and do what I want. No, God wants us to go where He wants us to go and do what He wants us to do. But there's there's that independence in us. That's what Paul said in Galatians when he said, the spirit lusts against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. You may not do the things as you please. There's a battle going on. And there's part of us that doesn't want to submit. There's a part of us that does. I want to be submitted to God because I want everything that God has for me. And I know you do too. But you have to give yourself to the spirit of God. You have to listen to pray and listen to him. And when he says do something or go somewhere or say something or don't do this, we have to be obedient and we, don't, we have to lose control of ourselves and give it to him totally. He is the life of God in us. Like I said before, am I conscious of his presence? I remember Benny Hinn wrote this book, Good Morning, Holy Spirit. He said, every time, every, when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I say is, Good morning, Holy Spirit. He talks to him like a person. Thank you that you're going to be with me today. Thank you that you're going to lead me and guide me into all the truth of my life. Thank you that you're going to watch over me, protect me. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being in my life. I will listen to you and follow you in every way. Jesus perfectly modeled what it was like to live a spirit-filled life. And God has called us to become like him in all aspects of our being. In Romans chapter 8, there's a scripture that has just always been, been an anchor for me. It says, we have been predestinated to be conformed to his image. Every one of us. So one of the works the Spirit of God is doing in us is conforming us to the image of Jesus, making us like him. So we'd think like him. We'd act like him. We'd talk like him. We'd do what he would do. We, he's working in us the fruit of gentleness and kindness and goodness and godliness. He's doing that work in us. That's the, that's the Apostle Paul said in Philippians when he said, God, he began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. God's working on us. If you've been born again for 40 or 50 years, God is still working on you. You're never perfect. You know, this old house needs to be shaped up every once in a while, just like, just like before. But, so he wants us to be like him. But the other important aspect, and this is what I feel like really kind of emphasizing a little bit today, He's also called us to walk in power. What the Bible calls the baptism in the Holy Spirit 
is not just about speaking in tongues. What does it say in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8? Jesus said, but you shall receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He doesn't say you shall receive tongues. He says you shall receive power. Now, the tongues are wonderful. But God, that's not what, that's not what he said. God wants to have power and character. Not one or the other, but both. There's a scripture in John 14 that I confess over and over and over again because it's the truth. Jesus said, he who believes in me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works shall he do than these because I go to the Father. God has ordained that we do supernatural works in his name for his glory. And that's what I want for us, for me in my life, for us in this church. So both character and power. God wants us to have both. It's like saying, which is more important? To not grieve the spirit or to not quench the spirit? They're both important. <clears throat> We're not supposed to grieve the spirit. We grieve the spirit when we, when we sin. We do something that's against the, the will, of, will of God. Wrong ambitions, selfish attitudes, hurtful speech. We lie or cheat. Do Christians lie or cheat? Sure they do. They're not supposed to, but they do. Or anything else that God says is wrong. I remember one time I was listening to a message by David Miner. David Miner was a wonderful, wonderful pastor and prophet, a tremendous man of God. He said he was going to a meeting one time. This, this, I'll never forget this. It just struck me. He said, I was, just, I was driving to a meeting one time, and I was going down the highway, and somebody kind of passed me. They went, and they, and they cut right in front of me instead of giving me, and I, when they did, I had to kind of hit the brakes a little bit, and I, and I got angry. And he said, when I get angry, I get angry. And I, it, it struck me in the heart so much. He said, I started weeping. And saying, sorry, Holy Spirit, because he, he felt like he grieved the Spirit because he got angry at that driver. Instead of just really saying, I forgive him, let him go. He got, and he said, I pulled off to the side of the road, and I was repenting and crying for, for, being, for getting a little bit upset at a driver. I thought, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> if he's that sensitive to the Spirit, I get a ways to go. But, but it shows you how sensitive we can be to not grieve the spirit. We don't want to grieve the spirit. We don't want to quench the spirit. You quench the spirit when you keep him from doing what he wants to do through you. To me, I get a picture of a, someone with a bucket of water dumping it on a campfire, putting, this, putting the fire out. When we quench the spirit, we grieve the spirit when we do things that are wrong. We quench the spirit. We don't allow him to do what he wants to do in us and through us. And we're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to be obedient to him in every way. You know, in the Bible it says where to lay hands. The Bible says Jesus in Mark chapter 16 said to go into the, all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who is not believed will be condemned. And these signs shall accompany those who have believed. In my name they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents and if they drink any deadly thing it shall not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So God says that we're supposed to have power. We're supposed to go out and preach the gospel. But then it says God confirmed his word with signs following. God should always confirm the word with signs following. 
but people shy away from a lot of times from the power of God because they say, well, I did that once. I prayed for something and nobody, I prayed for someone and nothing happened. So I'm not doing it anymore. But you just got to keep doing it. God wants the church to be a powerful church. We have to do it because he said to do it, not because we got any results that we want or not. We can't, we can't change the assignment because of what God said. In the Great Commission, in Luke's Gospel, at the end of Luke's Gospel, it says, and he said to them, I'm sorry, I'm in Luke 24, 46, 46. He said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name throughout all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. He said, I need you to go, but first I need you to stay. Stay until you're clothed with power from on high. Why? Because in your staying, you're going to get something that will make your going work. God wants us to have the power so that we can go and do what he's called us to do. Not in our own strength, but in the power of the Spirit. So they waited. And on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says they were all filled and they all spoke in other tongues. That's for everybody. That's good and it's wonderful. But like I said, in the scripture, Jesus didn't say, you shall receive tongues when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He said, you shall receive power. And the church demonstrated. Read the book of Acts. You see that they, this continuous flow of signs and wonders and miracles. They spoke in tongues, and that was wonderful. But they also received exactly what Jesus said they were going to receive. They received power, and that power made all the difference. I tell you, God's calling card is signs and wonders. God's calling power is a demonstration of the Spirit. Not just salvation is essential, salvation is wonderful. We need to preach that first, because you can go to heaven sick, you can go to heaven, but but God wants to demonstrate his greatness on the earth and to show people that he's really God. So I'm believing for, for everything that God has for us. The power of God in my life, the power of God in this church. The church of the living God is supposed to be a powerful church. Preaching the good news, yes, but also a church that demonstrates the supernatural power of God. So I'm just telling you, we're going to continue to pray for the sick in this church, and we're going to continue to cast out demons. We're going to do what God says to do, we're going to show people that God really is God in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. amen. Praise God. That's my message for today. Power, power, power. God, I want the power. I thank you for everything you've given us. I thank you, Lord, that you, that you desire your church to be a supernatural church, a church that flows, not just with the fruit of the Spirit, but with the gifts of the Spirit, demonstrating that you are real, that, you are, that there's no God like you on the earth. We bless you, Lord. We thank you for manifesting yourself through us. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Praise God. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry, and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.